This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. On the COVID report today, we are joined by Shamir Chotia, the financial advisor at Momentum, to share with us more on this. Thank you so much, Mr. Chotia, for joining us here on the COVID report. And firstly, please take us through the different types of investment portfolios and how important is it to fully understand the pros and cons of the different portfolios? Hi, how are you? Um, and welcome to, to all your listeners. Um, I think we find ourselves in a very difficult time with the COVID-19 and the impact it's had on investment portfolios. So I think you're shedding light on, on a very, very important topic. Um, going straight to your question, I mean, there are many different types of investment portfolios that are available in the market. Um, what's important to note is that each has its own risk profile. So you do have those that are much higher, much more aggressive, chasing higher returns, those that are a bit more balanced in approach, and obviously those that are conservative in approach. And, and each is built to basically address a specific need of a specific type of a client. I think what's more important than the type of the portfolio is how the portfolio is made up. And, and that's what's called asset classes, which make the portfolio either aggressive or conservative in nature. And where that comes in is those that are more aggressive and chase higher returns obviously have a higher exposure to growth assets such as um, equities, which is known as, as stocks or shares. Um, then you have property. You have, in some cases, uh, some investment portfolios have hedge fund exposure. So the, the, the point of growth assets is to try and get you a, a higher return than that which inflation. So you don't want to be stuck at an inflationary rate. So these type of growth assets are then built into the portfolio to ensure you can beat inflation and get higher returns. And looking at a more specific one, what are the main benefits of retirement funds? Yeah, so retirement funds, are the main aim is purely to help members um, save for retirement. The, the, one, the one downside with, well, not, not with the funding itself, but I think with members as individuals is we often tend to postpone um, our retirement savings and, and we find that that's actually the wrong approach to take. I mean, the stats show that only 6% of South Africans can actually retire comfortably and that's, that's quite scary. And, and that's where retirement funds comes in. The aim is there to help you as individuals, members of the fund, to achieve a successful retirement. It gives you all the tools to be able to do so. There are massive tax benefits of contributing to a retirement fund as well, which is there to incentivize you to contribute more to retirement funding. Um, remember, tax contributions to a retirement fund are also um, tax deductible, meaning you pay less um, tax on your taxable income towards SARS. So that's an attractive incentive to try and um, save as much as you can. And I think the key there is more for the younger members to to start earlier. So the earlier you start, the longer the term horizon you have, the greater the possibility of achieving a successful retirement. Now, Mr. Chartia, looking at global financial markets, how are these affected by retirement savings? And can the market downturn create opportunities for clients? 
so the the recent um, downturn that we had it did impact retirement funds quite significantly lots of them making a decision to to move their benefits out of where they were invested into more conservative portfolios and and the key message through any investment product and not just purely retirement is remember investments is a long term game there'll always be short term volatility there'll always be markets up and ups and downs the important thing is to not panic not to make hasty decisions allow the markets to recover so just as an example i mean if we look at march this year when the covid and the lockdown hit us in full force at that point markets were down quite significantly if you did disinvest from your portfolio and go into for example a money market portfolio which is a lot more conservative coming through into april you would have lost on quite a significant amount of market recovery so i i have some numbers which i can explain to you is between march and april obviously march we had a serious downturn going through april towards the end of april by the end of april local equities was up almost 14% global equity almost 14% so if you had disinvested and made a hasty decision in a panic when the markets were down you would have lost out on that upside when um the markets did obviously pick up a bit yes it might not have picked up to the levels it was pre the drop but in time it will get back to that levels history has shown us that and going to your point about um advantages that come out of this indeed there is because with a drop means there's a drop in the price of the units you pay for where you are investing so the more you contribute now means you'll get higher amount of units than you would have gotten in the past when markets were up which means that when markets do actually recover you have a bit more units there's always advantage in in any market drop the important thing as always is not to panic and get the right financial advice it's very important on any investment related decisions that you have a financial advisor now what role have alternative assets such as private market investments play in one's portfolio during this time of the market downturn so that's a that's a good question i mean like i did mention earlier some some of the higher more aggressive portfolios do go into alternative asset classes like hedge funds private equity like you mentioned and and it's it's those types of alternative asset classes that help a portfolio manager to try and get returns outside of the normal equities and property and those type of things so that's that's quite an important tool in a asset allocation and the way a portfolio is put together what is important is that you won't find exposure to these type of things at all levels of portfolio so you'll find it more on those that are more high high return higher aggressive higher risk in nature and that's purely to try and get you a higher return over the long term so again i'm emphasizing long term i mean retirement fund savings is a definitely a long term investment so as best as you can you must try and get the most return out of it for you so that getting to retirement you have a good sustainable retirement income which can look after you again within your retirement years Now Mr. Chatty, how does one create a strategy that can sustain your income and lifestyle while considering the most appropriate income rate for your living annuity? Yeah, so I mean that's that's a very important consideration for any member when they reach retirement is what 
what type of annuity are you going to buy if you have to buy an annuity? I mean, depending on the type of fund you're in, you might not have to buy an annuity. But what's important is to be able to create an income for you going into retirement. A living annuity is definitely a, a one of the options, but it's very important that holistic financial planning come into it to understand whether it's the best option for you. So people must take the time out to understand the difference between a living annuity, a life annuity, where do they differ, um, how do they solve for specific needs. At the end of the day, I mean, there's specific risks which one needs to keep in mind. I mean, going into retirement, important that you keep in mind inflationary risk. You don't want the value of your money to obviously be um, subject to, I mean, if inflation runs away, all of a sudden, the value of your money is now a lot less. Um, another one could be investment risk. If we're talking about a living annuity, you obviously have to still put your capital within a specific investment portfolio, hoping to achieve a specific in, um, portfolio return, which will help to facilitate your monthly income. So on a living annuity, there's, there's definitely a a longevity risk as well, because you could outlive the capital and then what happens? So that's why it's so important to pull all the right triggers now in retirement and tie in your post-retirement plan into your plans now so that you can know that going into retirement, you still are comfortable and holistic financial planning is going to help you to get to that outcome. It's so important and I emphasize it again, get the right advice, start your planning now, don't leave it for a later point and build your post-retirement solution to your current pre-retirement, um, let's call it saving, so that you make sure you maximize what you can now to achieve your outcomes within retirement. Now, further on that, equity funds are an important component for any living annuity as it allows for capital growth and substantial in, and sustainable income over the long term. However, with the current COVID-19 investment market, could this be of a disadvantage for those drawing a high income percentage from their funds? Yeah, I, I missed some of your question there, but I, I think I, 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 got, I got you at the end. Um, indeed, it does play a big role. I mean, the, the market downturn impacts the amount of capital you have within your portfolio, which means any drawdown of income on a monthly basis is being done uh, on a lower uh, base. So you are likely to run out of income much quicker than you probably would have. So it's very important to keep in mind to not draw down more than you actually need. Um, try and build it into a plan again. I, I keep emphasizing that point, but it's so important. Um, create a sustainable level of income that is required and not draw down too much so as to create that longevity. Otherwise, you will, unfortunately, most probably, I mean, looking at medical advancements now, I mean, people are living longer. The, the likelihood of outliving your capital is definitely one to, to seriously take into account. Now, what punitive tax implications are there for cashing in retirement funds? And how could this set you back post-COVID-19? Yeah, so that's a very big concern in the industry as a whole. I mean, 
cashing in of, of retirement funds during your working years, I mean, that sets you back and puts you basically back to zero when starting to save for retirement when you change jobs or employers. So what we've seen is that most members tend to cash it in and then go to a new employer. They have to start all over again. It means you have to play catch up for all those years that you've now basically lost. So the emphasis on preservation of your retirement funds when you change employers is very important. As best as can be possible, please make sure that members always remember to try and preserve their benefits rather than cashing in so that it doesn't put you back a few steps in terms of achieving that sustainable outcome. Um, going to another point, I know there, were, there was lots of talk about allowing access to retirement funds now during the COVID-19 and maybe to, to allow for it in these types of events. Um, nothing was confirmed on, on that front, but I mean that again, it's almost, the, the intention is, is definitely probably a good one. But the, the impact of it means that you, you're almost borrowing from your financial future. I mean, you're taking away from your retirement. So, yes, it will help you now. But getting into retirement, you again then on the back foot, you might not have enough capital. And then it makes you in a bit more of a difficult position in, in your retirement years. And how important is the initial income drawdown percentage? And what impact could this have on the overall income longevity? Yeah, like, like I mentioned on the, on the other question on the living annuity, I mean, your, your drawdown percentage, by law, there's certain minimums and maximums that you can draw down on a living annuity. And what's important is to find the most optimal one within your whole financial plan. So a a financial advisor will look at all of your other assets. They look at all of your other income streams. They'll find the most optimal way of making sure you're not drawing down too much so as to deplete your, your capital in a shorter term. The aim is obviously to put it in a portfolio that will aim to beat inflation so that year on year you're getting growth while drawing down a sustainable income so that it can last you for as long as possible. And that's why it's so important that you understand the need that you're trying to fulfill because you need to contrast living annuities with life annuities and with, with profit annuities, which has become a lot more popular in the market now. Each has its own pros and cons, and each serves a specific outcome which a member is trying to solve for, and that is so important in making that final decision. Now, Mr. Chatia, some people may be asking the same question I'm about to. At what point do you know that you need to go see a financial advisor? Does this come with age? Does it come with a particular income? What should people be looking out for and when they should go? Yeah, that's, that's a very, very good question. I mean, when, when we're younger, we feel like we have control over things. We feel like we don't need to be, for, for lack of a better word, taking these things a lot more seriously. But I would suggest getting in touch with an advisor at earliest possible point in time, because the earlier you do it, the better and longer time horizon you have to fulfill that plan that you put together with the advisor. I mean, if you do it too late in life, it could be that all the actions you've taken to that point was not sufficient, and then you have to play catch up. So I, I strongly emphasize getting in touch with an advisor as early as you can. As soon as you start working, understand the impact of what an advisor will do for you. I mean, they, they'll help you with retirement planning, um, 
obviously putting into effect such as wills and estates and, and, and an advisor can give you so much value on an ongoing basis which will help you to achieve your outcomes and it's so important to have that plan from day one so that you know what you are working towards to so that later on in life you don't have to play catch up and have to over contribute to make up um, specific retirement shortfalls or those type of things so in short i would say the sooner the better but um, again we see that it's it's mostly that members tend to leave these things for later on in life and unfortunately i don't think that's the right approach to be followed now for those who do have things in place what measures are there when there are cases of cyber attacks fraud and scams directed at individuals and are there supervisors and providers to make sure that such things don't occur yeah so i mean i'm i'm not not uh, very long in the industry but in my 8 years of being in the industry specific to retirement funds i've not seen any or many of these types of cyber attacks on retirement funds specifically but they definitely up processes and programs in place i mean looking specifically at us at momentum corporate we definitely have processes in place to ensure that the likelihood of these types of events happening are almost minimal to none i mean there are many different um, checks and balances that happen there's systems that are there to cater for uh, malicious attacks and those types of things so the likelihood is is that it it's mitigated but we can never say never now lastly mr chotia what are your parting words for our listeners around this conversation something they should carry with them yeah so i mean if if i had to to give myself some advice 8 years ago i would say exactly what i would say to to all your listeners now is start as early as you can and build your plan um work out specific objectives that you're working for when it comes to retirement funding don't focus too much oh i'm going to retire at age 60 focus on what is the income need that you have once you reach age 60 so so don't think about the age too much think about what income am i looking to replace when i get to age 60 and that's why it's so important that you start now preserve your benefits when you change employers increase your contributions take advantage of the tax deductions which is allowed in terms of the income tax act maximize on those tax benefits retirement funding and very importantly is to make sure you are in a suitable investment portfolio to help you achieve that outcome there's no point you be in a conservative portfolio and you have 25 years to retirement because then you going to seriously have a shortfall come to retirement and again everything else that i've said in this interview i've linked it back please please try and get in touch with an advisor let them help you to put a plan together and work step by step to achieve those objectives that have been put in place that was shamir chotia financial advisor at momentum sharing with us the work around retirement annuities more especially now during the covid-19 pandemic after that we are joined by someone to hear their personal experience of their retirement annuity amidst this pandemic and how they had to give it up we are joined by refilway given a freelancer in the media space who due to the pandemic lost her job and had to give up her insurance investments and retirement annuities thank you so much refilway for joining us here 
on the COVID report. And firstly, what investment portfolios did you have prior to losing your job? And what was the conversation that you had with your service providers upon the termination of your employment? Hi, Sipal. Thank you very much. And thank you to your listeners. Um, yo, it was, it was bad, guys. You can imagine um, from having a salary that you were able to live on and, you know, live your luxurious life to um, <laughs> not having anything. Um, it was it's something that I really, I, I wasn't anticipating, nor, yeah, it blew me. It was like a bomb in front of me. But what do we do? Life goes on. We have to breathe. We have to survive. And yeah, man. No, we definitely understand. Firstly, take us back. Why did you initially open these portfolios or have these investments? And, and that's the thing, you know, and I think for me, that was the lesson that I learned from this period of lockdown and COVID. Um, you know, when you grow, there's a conventional way that we've been taught that when you start working, you need to save for your future. Um, you need to save for funeral and cover your family members. You need to, like, there are things that have been entrenched in you as a child and as a young adult who's getting into the workspace um, and being told that this is what you're supposed to do. So it's one of those things that when you start working, you are, you're going to follow through. But I realized that it's not important. That's a very big revelation to make. So when you had to sit down with the policy providers, how was that conversation and were they understanding? And did they provide you with any advice or assistance during this period? Um, it, was, it was very frustrating. So in the beginning, really after the announcement of lockdown, I, I did not think that this thing was going to be prolonged the way it was. Right. So it was just March um, and I'm thinking, OK, I'll bounce back. I had to inform my financial advisor of my situation. And she's like, well, um, at this point, this is what we faced with. And there's nothing that you can do, really. Let's see um, what can happen. Um, I'm going to speak to, to my bosses and try to motivate and let's see what they will do. Um, I'm not going to mention names, but they were really not helpful. Instead, all they were doing was to just go into my bank account and mess it up, despite my communications. Um, and at some, I think around, because I lost my job in June, but even if I lost my job um, officially in June, um, I was not getting an income since March. So I was just taking out everything that I had for those like three months and tried to cover these things thinking, hey, we're going to pass through this time and it's not really going to be long and I'm able to bounce back. But when May, towards end of May came and I was realizing that, you know, these things are just adding more stress to what I have, let me rather um, write a letter and, and tell these people that this is my situation and I don't know then... Um, how I'm going to bounce back and I don't know when because with, lo with lockdown being prolonged I'm, I'm in an industry where it's we can't work everything is on lockdown so what then do I do and they were taking me back and forth telling me about insurance um, they don't get holiday premiums and 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 firstly it was my medical aid and, and with medical aid is it was in March because you know with medical aid if you don't pay your premium you are basically not covered 
So I informed them and I said to them, guys, this is my current situation. What do we do? And they did not want to understand. And I was like, you can do whatever you really want to do. Um, by April, then they started terminating my medical aid. And I was like, cool, no problem. Um, I wrote, I wrote emails every day. It, 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 it has been really um, an annoying time because every day I get calls, I get emails, I get all of these things that are annoying. And despite me communicating, because we know that that's what um, has been required by the National Credit Act, that as a consumer, um, when you are faced with difficulties with um, your creditors, you must inform them of your situation. And that's what was being put out there as well during that period. Um, but what I realized was even when you communicate, it doesn't matter how much you communicate, these people don't listen. So I was like, you know what, I really don't give a damn at this point. Do whatever that you want to do. After medical aid, then it was RA and life policies and all my stuff, um, funeral, whatever, you know, I was like, okay, it's, it's cool. It, it took back and forth. I had to motivate as to why I want to cancel. I'm like, but guys, really? Um, so it, it showed me that insurances, insurance is business. They don't care about people. Um, so I had to let it go to just cut the stress of my life because I couldn't afford it. Um, and in me not being able to afford it, um, they're not making it easier to say, okay, let's, let's freeze it. Maybe then one day when you're okay, we will do this and help you. No, it was just whatever, whatever. I was like, whatever, Luena, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. So yeah, that was, that was my situation. Now you have mentioned that one option you would have liked for them to do is maybe offer you a freezing option. Do you feel that there's other solutions they could have offered you instead of terminating your investment policies due to non-payment? Initially, that's what I thought something that can be done. But with the back and forth that I had and with them continue to debit in my account, because at that point now, um, it was just um, creating a negative um, impact on my bank account, all the negative. Now they're going in now, there's no money, you know, and, and that thing affects my credit um, life, you know. So I said to them, I, I was hoping that they would do that, that maybe then one day when I bounce back, um, I can always go back to them and say, okay, let's restart where we stopped or, or whatever. Uh, but I felt that they were not willing to. Um, the funeral policies, the one that they tried, um, to say, okay, let's, we're not going to, um, what do they say? They said to me, okay, can we, maybe, can you ask someone in your family to take over the policy or can we reduce the premium and not in, include the increase because I was due for increase and stuff. Um, and I said to them, guys, I hear all this that which you offering me, but at this point I cannot afford, you know, and, and I know how you guys work should anyone die in my family right now that with that i'm that i'm covered you guys are not going to 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 help during that time so it doesn't really help that um i'm gonna say i will pause with with funeral policies it doesn't work like that so let's rather terminate um with ra they were like no let i'm like but i hear what you guys are saying that we will pause and we will restart, but I'm like, it's not helping because you keep going into my bank and wanting to debit this, uh, this bank account, which is really not helping my current status. So 
I don't think these people were, nobody was ready for COVID. Um, and my honest opinion with what I, I saw with everything that's been happening is that South African economy and our laws and our policies were not ready for change. Um, therefore, they did not know how to maneuver the situation and how to help us as consumers to make things easier apart from it being business as usual. So that was, that's how I felt during this time. After your investment portfolios were, I assume, closed, were there options to access the funds that you had invested? Um, I mean, you can imagine, all I wanted was my money. Um, so they would ask, do you want to pay out or do you want us to put it somewhere for it? I'm like, yeah, at this point, I want my money. I need, I need to survive. Um, so yeah, I really, I wasn't, I was, I was, I was enough when we got to the point where they agreed to cancel stuff. I, I had had it with them and the stress that they really caused me. And yeah, so it was, I, I, I was not open for any negotiations. Now, lastly, Rafila, before I let you go, what is your key takeaway from this experience? Is there anything that you would have done differently? Yo, this experience taught me a lot. Um, one thing that I know, and I know for sure going forward, is that because um, I'm a production accountant in the TV and film space, and most of the time, um, the people or the producers that I'll be working with, they would want me to be full-time and therefore um, it, I, I would only have one income. What I've learned from this period is that I am not going to ever be relying on one salary um, or allowing somebody to say, please come work for me full-time. I will work for you, but I'm not going to work just for you. I need to have streams of income. I need to be all out there so that I know that I'm always safe. Um, and I've learned that, because um, during COVID, I lost my cousin um, who um, stopped working because she got sick. And when she passed on, everything, the funeral policies, everything were, it was bad that we didn't have money to bury her. And, and we had to, like, family had to come together to make sure that we, we bury this person. And I realized that these policy, like insurance is a scam. That's my observation and my opinion. Um, the way that it's been run as, as something else, people will take money from you for good 10 years, but just one month of not being able to pay and something happen, um, then you are on your own. So it's better for me. What I learned is that the money that I used, and that's what I'm going to do, the money that I used to, pay these policies and, and funeral stuff, let me rather put it somewhere where it will grow for me. Um, and then I know that I've got access to it um, whenever I need it. What I've learned is I really don't think I'm going to go back to creating all these policies that we were taught that we, we must have in that way. That's how um, you, will, you will be perceived as successful by our black families, that when you die, they they remain with something. No, guys, can we just live for now? Can we live for today and be truthful to our journey and ourselves and save all that which you can? You know, rather than us putting our monies out there into insurances, let us put it out there, save it, 
and you know that you have access to imagine the money that I've lost the past 10 years with these policies, where would I be if I had maybe put it in a trust, um, in a trust fund, or if I had put it in unit trust, or if I had invested it, I don't know in what, but somewhere where it will grow for me monthly, you know? So I, I have learned that I have to make my money work for me rather than work for somebody else um, or, or enriching somebody else. So yeah, that's a lesson for me. I I am really, really going to do things differently going forward because the lesson of COVID and the lockdown was something else um, that none of us really anticipated. And yeah, now we have to pick up pieces. I don't know how we're going to mend them, but I believe that we will, we will one day, things will get back to where they're supposed to be at the right time. And that was Rifilwe Given sharing with us her personal experience of losing her job during the pandemic and what this meant for her insurance and retirement annuities amid the pandemic. Thank you so much, Rifilwe, for joining us here on the COVID Report. Now, before that, we're joined by Shamil Chotia, a financial advisor at Momentum, sharing with us some steps people should be taking towards their retirement annuities during the pandemic. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or streams via www.varfm.co.za.